I'm Andrew O'Hagan, host of a new podcast from the London Review of Books. It's about the bloodiest and most controversial event of the Falklands War, the sinking of the General Belgrano. Margaret Thatcher was accused of a war crime. The truth would only emerge in the pages of a private diary. This is the Belgrano Diary. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the London Review Bookshop. Please welcome our first poet, A.K. Blakemore. Hi. Thank you all for being here. Uh, this is amazing and slightly scary. Um, I'm going to read uh, two brand new pieces, uh, which may be slightly mad, um, before I get on to fondue sort of glittering me over there. It's my first outing with the book, so that's fun. Um, this first poem is called uh, Dicks Like Jesus. <coughs> Three days of festry weather and the pinot hitting a stomach raw to produce a lilac mood where simply everyone is watching. Weaver shaved and caisse d'encendie, skimming death's heads and dropping blows through intercourse, pearl bordered and replete with sense of whimsy, imagination unseemly after four years called on his pillow and pear cut stones, asking would you rather be shot or sued, a white sphinx with her academic specimen. There are easier ways to make money but not tenure, so who here is the real victim? Escape high into the rose petal tartlet of a newborn day with those boy sylphs in laundered kit and frottage mirrored in the big moist eyes of domestic cats. Oh, dicks like Jesus, so nice, so quiet, so kind to its mother, squirming like a moth on tile beneath my purgative curve, waiting to be pinned and mounted in the great silence when I, sated, pull away. Uh, this is called uh, Beata Viscera. I suffer because love, or rather the words affiliated with a set of practices that define the modern cishet institution thereof, bubble from me like tonic water up the thin, clear plastic neck of a bottle. I say I love you by saying I really feel like I want to say I love you right now after a particularly satisfying sexual encounter. I pray for those and dispense to those who scrape my soul with wanting. Coming home on a late April evening around 10, it strikes me that a large part of the indoor cat's appeal is his comprehensive innocence of something even so banal as the rainstorm percolating outside. That The man in my bed is a different one now. Oh, astonishing novelty <coughs> and joy unaccustomed. The hand on the cheek during onto, uh, odontogenesis of feeling or of snow, I bathed the cat. She clambered up my side and with her body flipped the switch in my small and windowless bathroom. The bathwater steaming and utterly dark, the wet tiny thing and her fetal clinging at my sweatpant band, afraid, perhaps strangely thrilled, that she might attempt to latch onto me and literalize her parasitic relation. We are in some ways kindred souls, our great shared wish to be understood through our photogenic and pitiful crying. Certainly I prefer thwarted to realized potential and my men beaten by their fathers or stepfathers or for them to have that downcast look of boys who might have been because look how interesting it made me just ugly enough to feel sorry for like James Baldwin. Why do I say these things? That you played white noise to fall asleep, rainstorm sounds such like was to me ultimately endearing, the raw compelling portraits of transient kids, the jewels slung on your articulated tail, over a pale gold brisling my friends and I make a convincing case for the sterilization of rapists. I walk that evening past so very many houses and think how unbearable that each might be lived in and all the while this wild angel breaking mine my mascots brittle hags cephalophore leather puritans french gray bat fluffing the brain why didn't she scream i never won't again time passes to the night of a stropping empty fox and dorsal signage and so coked up i just said you'll do bitch to a chair the radiant sounds of refrigeration units a structural membrane a boy a well flossed and recumbent the dark web oh prolonged life if discontent is crucial to my output i ask half joking for you to take me away voice breaking from all this thank you prelude I watched a porn in which a woman pushed her lips to the fractal stream of a hosepipe aimed at a car window. 
The man with the hose pipe was wearing overalls beside a privet line of rose bushes particolored by the spray, a striped umbrella, a jug of pale lemonade. It seemed so actual, the scene was poignant, and then I wondered where you were. Scorpion. I want you like a scorpion down my shirt, struggling through life toward me only, a scorpion and a white mouse caught in human hair. If you are prepared to live cheaply, I might show you alternate Luca. In a friendly way, I will get drunk and call you a sick fuck, say we needn't leave late if you're tired. I see you watching as I shake the petals from my damp umbrella like anyone is looking at my shoes. Uh, Perseus. The body taken whole. He pulled into the surf like a dismembered leg. Her breasts still lovely, her green seahawk wings, ophidian cutlery. He and the head would, would wake at the same time with the same infection, a drop falling from the slack mouth like the liquid sometimes wept from the center of a flower. Where it fell on his boots, it melted through the leather. Even covered or tied in a sack, it's bad carrying a thing like that. He flew above a burning orchard, kept seeing birds eating other birds. They're really short, which I mean is fine because easier to write, but you do feel a bit silly reading them out. <laughs> Drum solo. <laughs> uh, wolf bass. Never say the best of summer's gone, a cloud in the belly of your wine. I haven't thought about a boy like this before, the combed forward hair, the way I like to watch him touch himself, see him lay down in a pool of sunshine with just such an attitude of rapt self-care. Fountain Road, which is about something really mean my ex-boyfriend said to me. It could have been a corpse in the car. Certainly he had been on something all day, his gums mauve like a brachycephalic puppy's. Mention it again how I am a child harpist, and everyone else and their sufferings are strings. Um, something you may not know about me, uh, well, some of you may. Uh, I used to be addicted to wholly legal at the time, experimental amphetamines. Uh, so this is a poem called Methadrone. One. She called me from by the river, but all I could hear was her red hair. She'd lost so much by then, and I was interested in how girls construct themselves again. Two, read a news story about a dealer putting a kitchen knife through a python's head because he was owed money. How fast would it happen under a serpent weight as a way to go about things undeniably poetic? I think this was a new port, the empty tank hot as blood with directionless heat lamps. Three, it was wonderful sometimes. A black meadow, your heart a heraldic symbol floating somewhere in front of you, impatient to slot back where it belonged. Four. Smooth leg and gold-plated astrological anklet as we smoked out the sky skylight, she said, if you feel sick, you should probably just be sick. Yes. Five. No responsible person would walk down that street alone at that time. The drips from the railway bridge became the tappings of something incarnate, something tall, a man who carried a metal-tipped cane. Uh, this is called leather. Intentions seemed so concrete by the estuary, next to the water, a dark flesh like leather, taking deep maltwork's lotus smell. They shit along the greensward, all shameless white scars of neck, there, like if Tom of Finland had made swans, mauve tails for tongues, primed to cusp girlhood in ex-cathedra feather. Samaritans. Falling in love with the boy dragging old bits of wood and broken pallets through the green adolescence limbs of wheat, liking how he lit fires must be constantly in the presence of fire and my readiness to scream when he was around, to test that space within. Later, I was referred to a therapist and walked to the clinic after school, slow, 
and a little ashamed of my mannish shoes. I told the boy I loved, a new boy, that contemplating suicide is something all imaginative people do, just as all desire is pathological. You are not your body, but you are, and once it's gone, it's gone. And I never saw the point in talking, when truth is just a sharp thing you stand on in the night, with bare feet, unrepeatable, as a kiss you said was forced you never wanted. I'll finish with a bow. I have not walked along the Seine, just by the wharf, between a sun hat and a body disinterested, finally mature. After I fell in love, his beauty was given to me like the most destructive secret, and there was never any feeling of having turned a corner. Will the world be so scorched and conducive to a rarefied survivalism that they won't understand a life unsolid, centered on void and plastic? How I tidy away the empty blister pack of his regular bromides. Oh, how I feel like God and endlessly. Will there still be water-sized places people go to die happy? Will they say I was a lonely seer, a savant, a lover of men? Thank you. I do not need the sea to love me back. I went to the sea. It was a nearby calamity I had away with. I felt it on me like the breath of a cold baby. It shimmied like voile over a warm radiator. I lay down on the pebbles. I wanted to have the muscle of a limpet to adhere and never be washed away. I stood up because I enjoy the uncertainty of pebbles. I let my body flood my body and stared hard into the flimsy horizon. I waited for the sea to notice me, but the sea never notices anyone. I've written my poem numbers on my hand because I'm so used to having sheets of paper that I can put in order it's really weird to have it in a book um, so that's what's going on with my hand uh, thank you so much to Martha for organizing this and to LRB bookshop I love this bookshop so it's really uh, special to read here especially with these three guys so um, a real treat for me Delphine is on silent retreat Delphine is snug in the corruptible quiet, her heart all lurgy. She is vigorous with postures and slackening her jaw. The vogue memory is how when she was 10, she stuck her tongue out really far and her friend said, that makes you a lemon. Retrospectively, what she wanted was a perm and a dad that gave money for the arcade. Delphine lies down in the corner and gets up and lies down again, etc. This is so she knows she's laying down on every bit of the floor. There's no one to see, so makeup is taken very seriously. If she French kisses the window, her hair starts to curl. It is all very boudoir. Delphine expected to be bored. What she needs to say aloud is smooch. Delphine's heart is more woolen than sure. She nipped off the fur buds from a pussy willow and strung them into a necklace, clustering once. In the faraway land, her old milk glass holds other people's toothbrushes and curdling water. Precision here is superfluous as cut flowers. On the seafront, the shrubs are meek in the blossoming wind. Delphine has worked on her complexion. Bestowed with peaches, she's personal limelight. At night, her cruelties sneak up the ladder of her throat. It's Delphine, Delphine, Delphine on steamed up mirrors, always in joined up finger writing. Singing is only permitted in the dark. Delphine is judging her own obedience. Look at me being strict. But she has to remind herself of the rules, hourly. Deceit is its own discipline. 
Today the shrubs are insolent, waiting for adults to prepare a new game. Delphine considers a ceremonial magic, but how to practice without a little magic escaping? Wish yourself into a lovely place, she thinks. Loveliness would include shrubs without such expressions. Wisdom may well have been squandered on seafronts and lipstick. So many years afraid of waste is its own waste, is her self-comfort when the light folds. I know it's really hot today, but this is a poem that was written in winter, but it sounds very refreshing, so I'll read it. <laughs> Palest Greens. I dreamed a recipe, peelings from a pear and the hard stem of broccoli, dressed in lime juice and olive oil. I called this recipe Palest Greens. It was January and I was craving not that kind. I guess uh, this poem is influenced by projection in some way or another. I disowned my real pain and engaged with its subordinates, despicable neediness, heroic guilt, and undeterrable envy. Each day I woke trussed up with this hernia of failure, bleat, bleat, there was inevitable blood. I slept on a pyre of bottles, stalked by motherhood, unable to summon my latent powers. Leaves blew into the hallway and did their aging there. The eager wind fussed with them like the beaded fringe of a shawl at war with itself. Powerful identification with the leaves. In the garden, splendor made its entrance while I wasn't looking. I was quaking all this time, my whole body a throat stoppered by tears. I tried to will dreams of romantic redemption, but my brain swatted them away like flies gunning for something you really want to eat. Um, this poem has two voices in it, and I, d I don't know how to kind of do that without asking someone to read it with me. So there's like a bit in italics, there are four lines, I think, in italics, and I'll just sort of like raise my hand so I don't have to put on a, like, here's my second voice voice, because that would be awful. I mean, this might be awful too, but I, I'm, I'm at a loss of what to do. And I saw Fiona Benson do it, and I was like, well, you know, she's cool, I can do this. Compact things are easier to carry. My secrets went out without me, wearing my cloaks. How many times? I did not count. Men do this, so I said, do what you want. Can we return to whether how many matters? My mouth dispensed results, but the paper got jammed. No one could tear them off me. I was a reluctant swallow. I did not grab any hand to prevent it going further. I had marked X's in my padlocked, my first diary, but I no longer know what X meant. I look at my aquamarine as though it will tell me the time. I said, I believed if I did not speak, a kind of compression would occur. What do you mean, compression? For a long time there is silence. Hands ranged about me, alone in front of others. And now how do you feel? Can I retrieve the project of girlhood? Did you not? At this point we discussed the allure of things that ought to be there, being there, suddenly too dark. And I'll finish with um, this poem, which is kind of inspired by getting into gardening. Um, if I'm going to be really reductive about it. <laughs> the garden. I encountered a surface that was not safe to stand on. It was between me and the garden. The garden said 
take as much time as you need. It said, you don't even have to tell me. I volunteered. My requirements for love are a living thing that loves me but barely needs me at all. I was indoors. The garden was not listening. Sound, abrasion, highly scratchable soul. I considered standing on the surface of it all. Everything is reflected in the surface. Sky, my very needy beauty, cellular detritus, the damp packet of the future. But I knew the outcome was giving way. My mother had recently told me I stayed until the bitter end once before, and it was a mistake. I visualized tight buds of thoughts laid out like a pathway, but myself was in its interminable confinement. I am taking up too much of my own life. I was shouting beyond the threshold. The garden told me, at last, you are in the business of remembering. Attend to your dream. Someone I love very much said they would surprise me this week, and they have. <laughs> so, um, girl, hair coming down past your breasts like confetti, your straighter teeth, your stripped upper lip recoiling still, your clean, dark complexion, lean thighs or the gap between them, the grasp of your jeans at you like a lover that you'd like to leave, exposing the gap, the sign between your feet pointing upwards, tear here, sun, sea, sand, sheer butter, you are smoother skin, sanded nails, dark eyes seeing almonds, your voice, your vocal cords, stroked by secondhand smoke, your dozy tongue, stacking it over words you really should know how to pronounce by now, and feet, lithe, slim, no peeling, arches secure as scaffolds, oiled joints, humming the silence of youth, Limbs fighting baby jihads against lipids, still winning, your heart still kicking it in time. Red metronome, your shunning of the night, a propensity for wakefulness for pen against paper, a dance of sorts, because what is death to you? Break. My sweet girl, break. Will you write to me years from today when you no longer are what you are now? I'd like to know what you'll be. Break. Call me when you find out. Break. I'll be here. 15. With a hopscotch grid for a wrist, see my sad boy with a smile like a one-string guitar relative to nobody, yet out of tune, dropping out of school, out of line, saying, I love you more than life itself, in a first Valentine's card, during the spring term in which we turn 15. In the attic of an old phone now, here he is again, in the drawer I was cleaning out, during a hymn I was singing before I met him, and here he is, my sad boy, now, watch this older girl stop and cast her day out with the dust and become sad too. This whole impermanence thing is deceptive. Looks lifelong, actually, to me. Still sat here, molding mason jars of words to preserve his body with. Wondering if a poem ten years on is still a pining asking how many more I will make before I learn how little of us keeps. The campus nurse offers up pills like penny sweets, means it when she says, it's just one less thing to worry about. 
Her pen is crossing the prescription sheet like a finish line. It's okay. There are many freedoms. In the first world, freedom from bloodshed is tasted between the legs. I don't judge. How would she know I have come to love the cup spilling over the floor of the bath, a Rothko on fiberglass, an opening ceremony, a private showing circa this month? There is nothing like knowing I am an orchestra only rehearsing. So my phone, I brought my phone up because there was a poem I really, really wanted to read today. And as I was printing everything else, I forgot to print it. So I will end with that one, but I will do my printed ones first so that I don't, so that you don't see me squinting. Because <laughs> I think my eyes, I think my eyes are, I've got an eye twitch, so I should go to the optometrist very soon. Um, it must be a sign. Death is A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Everywhere and not here. When the happiest girl I know plays songs by a group called the Deep Throat Choir. And while the others at the bar can't stand it, but don't tell her to her face, I imagine telling strangers my new occupation, brazen and unfazed by the name of my band. These days, everything moves. The white hair I rip from my scalp at the middle parting turns out to be black at its root, meaning it changed its follicle mind for a whole centimeter or six weeks, depending on who's counting. I, too, want space and time and second chances. I want to be useful and beautiful, but what did I do today except watch a tall building burn while the boy who once called it home phones the BBC, says, you know at least 500 people live in there. I didn't see 500 people leave, with a voice that implies this is a normal day for him. Death, I think it's you I face when a spider crosses my path in a place I thought was mine. Is it not you? who turns overhead with no warning, declaring the night an open disco. There will always be more of you to kill or free. There will not always be mothers with brooms, fathers with cups or glasses. There will not always even be empty glasses. There will not always even be anyone. Only there will be you, death, and the silence and the shade as the audience traps breath to ask, is this it? Will the music play now? Will the credits roll? Before leaving the cinema, eyes learning daylight again, rebirthing the world, heads brimful in the interim of everything to do and nothing to be done. Zero. So there's a quote here from um, this was a commission. There's a quote here from Marina Abramovich from The Observer in 2010. And she says, A man pressed the gun hard against my temple. I could feel his intent. And I heard the women telling the men what to do. The worst was the one man who was there always 
just breathing. This, for me, was the most frightening thing. After the performance, I have one streak of white hair on my head. I cannot get rid of the feeling of fear for a long time. Zero. Call me what I am. Call me the animal on the altar with the apple of its life in its mouth, then choose a knife, the kitchen one. Play my neck with its cooking edge. When my skin sings, meet me with your lips. Use the district of the tongue that speaks salt. Taste copper, think communion, think loose change, lost baby fights, lost baby teeth, lost fights. Count it all joy, call the taste acquired. Bless the metal in me, what a woman, what a will of iron to bear six hours of this, as if for all mankind, call me Maria, not Marina now. Pour olive oil on my head, call it art, call me anointed, give me chains for a necklace, call the rose a pendant, a petal on each areola for the hell of it, not for shame. See me and suffer and take a photo, I look good. Say, well done. Say, I'm wonderful. Say, I'm a witch. Take the bullet, take la pistola and load it. Let it hear me plead from the outside of my skull. Call me mad. Say, I asked for it. Ask what I expected. Say, I should have known, I should have known what would happen. Put a plaster on my cuts. Say, there, there. Say, I've made it now. Say, you're sorry. Say, Marina. Say the time is up, say the work is done, say I'm free to walk, say you won't turn and run, say you won't turn and run. So I was in Brazil um, from April to May and it was amazing but obviously with good weather comes mosquitoes. So I, I really suffered out there getting bitten and um, it came to a point where I had to accept that we're all part of the food chain and we have to accept our place. So I wrote an ode to the mosquito. Oh my Diablo, Diablo pequeño, oh night singer, oh most true and high falsetto, Oh, starving four-winged mother, oh, lone she-wolf, oh, once nymph, oh, primordial stagnation, oh, explorador, oh, lover of house reds, oh, witching hour gin, oh, erratic, oh, evasive, oh, God, no, and now unmistakable, oh, warm and international, Oh, unlikely but not impossible death delivery. Oh, most consistent. Oh, highly dependent. Oh, addict. Oh, seeker of beautiful veins. Oh, collector of DNA. Oh, genome stealer. Oh, cartographer of blood. Oh, rogue scientist. Oh, government porn. Oh, infiltrator. Oh, infidel. Oh, drone. Oh, promised one. Oh, midnight kiss. Oh, love bite, perfect, per love bite perfectly circular and raised a little. Oh, long-nailed orgasmic itch. Oh, ooze. Oh, souvenir. Oh, scar. Oh, skin constellation. Oh, bio oil, bio oil boomer. Oh, money maker. Oh, leg slapper. Oh, clap and check both hands. Oh, newspaper. Oh, towel. Oh, book or whatever's closer. Oh, dream breaker. Oh, organic alarm. Oh, call to arms. Oh, supplicant. Oh, rogue. Oh, swift invasion. Oh, awful tenant. Oh, short term lease. Oh, tiny white man with a bugle fit to scale. Oh, poacher. Oh, crosshair. Oh, earworm. Oh, fish hook. Tonight I am bait and I tried, but I will not win. Oh, colonizer, tonight I am the island you will name with your mouth as you must, as you must. Make it quick and noiseless. Just take 
my shit and go. To, um, it's great to read with you guys and great to read here and great to read with my book there for sale. The first time I've ever read with a book for sale. Um, I've done lots of readings recently with nothing to sell. So this would probably be the worst reading I've done for, for a while <laughs> <laughs> now that I can actually sell something. I was thinking about doing a poem about gnats, called about, about these gnats in the wind because of your mosquito one. But um, maybe I'll just stick with something I, I usually do. So... Um, the book's called Us, and um, I often write about small words that kind of hold a lot of stuff and that feel like big words, and this is about the word the. The word. I couldn't tell you now what possessed me to shut summer out and stay in my room, or at least attempt to, in bed mostly, it's my dad, standing in the doorframe, not entering, but pausing to shape advice that keeps coming back. Whatever is matter, must enjoy the life. He pronounced this twice, and me, I heard wrongness in putting a the before life. In two minds, ashamed, aware, that I knew better, though was stuck inside, while the sun was out. That... I'm native here in a halfway house. Like that sticking word, that definite article, half right, half wrong, still present between enjoy and life. So yeah, um, it's hard to flick through a book. Uh, I've written it down on my, on my hotel notepad what, what, what my order was going to be. Um, so sh I could do a poem about a lost cricket ball or this Nats poem that I've never read before. Okay, so I have never literally, I have read it, obviously, but I've never read it out. And uh, it's called Early Draft, and it's, a, it's after a poem by Rumi. It's a very, very loose translation or a version of a poem by Rumi that's called um, Nats in the Wind. Um, and it's partly about translation. Uh, and the gnats uh, don't know how to refer to themselves, so they call themselves kind of I, we, me, us, that kind of thing. Um, and it mentions Solomon, who is obviously a figure of wisdom. And in the Quran, he's known as someone who can translate from the birds. Uh, so um, anyway, I won't talk too much about it. Yeah, when you've not read a poem before, you don't know how to introduce it. Um, and it en ends with the word yours. And yours is a significant word for me in this book. Um, and you know, how we sign our stories off and whose stories they are. Early draft after Rumi. Was it a lost language like a breath through grass darkly, endlessly seeking after its source? It was not. Gnats, gnats were storming through the grass, swerving death, jittery for wisdom, which they found in the shape of Solomon. Oh, Solomon, they said as one agitated as one. I, we, are in bits. You care for the we ones, right? Well, here we, I, am. I'm, we're so little, we, I, cannot sign anything of note, and life passes in a smudge. The world uses me, us, badly. I'm, we're little more than poxy metaphors for nothing. My, our, being so small, the sun runs out of gnat veins too soon. Look in the middle of resignation. Slap bang. Defend us. Me. But who's your complaint against exactly? Asked Solomon. It is the wind, said the gnats. Dotty speech marks. Unsettled around nothing and dry grass. I hear you, said Solomon. And being swayed by your symphony... I am of a mind to take your side. But a good judge must give ears to both sides of a story. I, we, agree, said the twitchy, death-obsessed gnats. Summon the east wind, said Solomon. Jacketless as the earliest, leafiest book, the east wind whooshed into the outdoor court. 
What of the gnats gone? Finally at one in a, fine, in, in a wider union. The gnats case summed up Solomon is all our metaphors. So let's leave the dotty speech marks and agree that the sides settled their difference out of court in this gnats be the wind. My hearing, yours. So, as, and actually a gnats, a crowd of gnats is called a ghost. Um, so I suppose the Rumi's poem is a ghost of mine and mine is a ghost of his. Okay, so I'll read a poem about a childhood fight that was, um, and it's called Spark Hill, which is an area of Birmingham that I grew up in. It's where that comedy Citizen Khan is set. <coughs> I used the word comedy very loosely. <laughs> uh, and it begins on a kind of hill in the park, and it ends with me looking at the slope of my keyboard. Spark Hill. Fight, 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 fight. They'd begun the chant before we'd started, and started was the word. He's going to start on you over there after school in Spark Hill Park by the slope. They talked it up so much it happened. They gave me the word, and they gave it to him, Jason Walsh. He's going to start on you. What made them do it? We both, went, we both came first or second in school races. Same height, curly hair, mid-brown skin, friends. Let's see them fight. We both went quiet as gravity after morning break and all afternoon and turned up as the other or the future seemed to need on the hill after the last bell. Starting was hard. The first punch was a shove. Like shoves were our slow way of talking. Shoving arms became thrown arms. Thrown arms became wrestling arms. And there was love in the grip on the fat lip of the slope. No one else there. Not the arguing parents. Not the news. Not the crowd. Only ashamed attempts at anger or worlds turned upside down, which was us, with a crowd shouting us to tumble as we fought, like in the films. We did. And when we did, the ground felt harder than any fist on my mouth as clouds whose names I'd yet to learn intermingled with grass, liquidly, like a head in a font, like his head was once. Only this liquid was light, the mute grey clouds, or the crowd's word as we turned, fight. I tasted turf and saw sky, Tongue-tied light came up from the ground's mouth the way I had shaped songs that morning's assembly. It's false, no energy in it. But where's it from? The Big Bang or before? Whatever it is, I'm not feeling it and don't want to go back up and start again. Though that's what I'm hearing we should do there at the foot of the hill. I push him weakly away, a shove to say, I don't mean it, leave it. I grip the bag I dropped at the start a bag with a changed gravity, even the heavy logo, its big letters, H-E-A-D, and head home, head out of the park, down the very long Stratford Road. I didn't have the fight in me, or I didn't think I had, for a very long time, till this afternoon's grey passed the green curtain, and that afternoon's grey rubbed two flints behind my eyes, two flint clouds that ring a bell, dull and bright, and I sit down quite some way from St. John's Primary School, Spark Hill Park, and that slope where time felt dense, the opposite of light, and I look past my knuckles at it, it, the black up-tilted keyboard, and on that backlit slope, these central blocks, F, G, H, and I've started to type, fight, 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 fight. I might read a, uh, another poem that I don't usually read from the book. Um, this is about, this should be sponsored by Ancestry.com because it's about an Ancestry test that I did. And um, usually I, 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 I do write about my mixed identity, but I don't hit the subject head on usually, but in this one and perhaps I do. So I write about the results of this te test, which came back in the form of numbers. And it's called Self-Portrait as Bottom, the character in, in Midsummer Night's Dream. I think of her as a kind of tragic figure as much as a comic figure. He was the only one who could enter all the, the three worlds, apart from Puck, maybe. Um, but he, he obviously looked more ridiculous doing it. And yeah, and so I suppose also that he kind of wanted to speak in poetry, but had to speak in prose. 
self-portrait as bottom. Oh, I am translated, the speech of numbers. Here's me in them and them in me. I spat into the bottom of a test tube, gob upon gob, and posted it to a lab across the Irish Sea. But before I dropped it all in their SAE, I stared at that shiny Alembic's elongated U and saw an elongated face of me staring past my drool, trying to summon or glue the way spit does a stamp, the unconnected, unspeaking, dead, me, or so the science and the blurb says. Let's get down to numbers. What could be more prosaic? I am split, 50% Europe, 50% Asia. Figures that speak to me and feel like a thousand-year stare. But the numbers from thousands of years ago didn't end there. 18% of me is from the narrow island they call Great Britain. And then, just less, 17% Ireland, 8% Europe West. 3% Scandinavia. You guessed that one, didn't you? And <laughs> this is, and then this one. 3% Finland, Northwest Russia, and 1% Italy, Greece. Labyrinthine lands of the Minotaur and the fates as weavers and the lost thread. And from my dad, 48% Asia South, which as good as says that my father's folks were converts in the near past, perhaps lower caste, perhaps believers in the many, in sky gods cast in Sanskrit, or heavy Buddha, or puckish forest figures, winged Gandharvas. And the last 2% of my father's half is from what they call Asia West, or Caucasus, which is anywhere above the Himalayas to the Black Sea, and almost meets mum's small Italian Greek, but not quite. And this bit, the almost meeting, I felt at some level, a low level, mutteringly, a kind of abysmal underneathness or usness under the heights of language, which ridiculously I looked to see in that U-shaped test tube and to see it under saliva's bubbled glass and to see it face to face and not only in part or passing or past. Okay, I can either do one about a bookshop called The Wardrobe or a portrait of Shakespeare. Which do you prefer? The bookshop one. Okay, so, um, so the bookshop one, which has no relevance to where we are at all, it, it's, called, it's called The Wardrobe, and it's a made-up bookshop. And uh, we used to have a copy of the Quran on the top of a wardrobe at home. And in this, I, I think about how books were electric for me. And I mention uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which I used to watch on video. And uh, also uh, the bit from Wuthering Heights where sh uh, Kathy puts her hand through the glass, which I always find really electric. The Wardrobe. Might be a good name for a bookshop, small but oddly ongoing. The kind you'd happen upon and enter, perhaps alone, perhaps not, in a long grown-up coat. And as you place your cold hand in its gloveless pocket and feel the tweed edges of empty space, you might be reminded, as I am, of a sleeved scene in a book, a scene I knew firstly from a VHS film I'd replay by the fire, wrapped as a kid, watching Lucy's cartoon fingers push through long fur coats, further touching branches, snow. I don't know about you, but I never forgot that feeling I've never had. Like that episode of sleeplessness in a book I did read later, Spellbound, where a fur branch tapping a gusty window was never fur but skin and bone, Kathy's icy ghost hand. I'm come home, gripped, gripping through the broken glass. On top of the MDF wardrobe near the landing, fittingly high from the ground, was our family's Quran wrapped in cloth, gilt-edged, wide enough to house three scripts. Around the time I'd be glued to films like The Lion, The Witch, I'd place a chair beneath, take down the shrouded weight, undo the black sleeve, open a page, and read a corridor of the English that slept in the margins. I wasn't sure why I did this, or what I'd fear I might miss, or if I was sitting right, or how to truly feel through to the words. I'd lift them back, rewrapped on the wardrobe. 
distantly I've long looked up to books, the distance they cover. Picture me, delayed, walking through a bookshop, say this one, forgetting what I first came in for, or if I ever really knew. I'm just going to end with one poem that is set between two hospital beds. Um, the bed my mum died in, the bed I was born in, in Birmingham. And it quotes from George Herbert. And thanks so much for listening and thanks for letting me be part of this. Um, prayer. First heard words delivered to this right ear. Allahu Akbar. God is great. By my father in the Queen Elizabeth maternity ward. God's breath in man returning to his birth, says Herbert, is prayer. If I continued his lines from there, from birth, a break Herbert chimes with heaven and earth. I'd keep in thought my mum on a Hereford hospital bed and say what prayer didn't end. I'd say I made an animal noise, hurled languages hurt at midday when word had come. Cancer, now so spread, by midnight her rings were off. I stayed on at her bed. Earlier, time and rhythm flatlining. I whispered, thank you. I love you. Thank you. Mouth at her ear. She stared on ahead. I won't know if she heard. Thank you for joining us for this London Review Bookshop event. For more, visit our website at www.londonreviewbookshop.co.uk or search for the London Review Bookshop on iTunes. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.